Who's pumped? Who's pumped? I'm pumped. I think everyone should be really pumped. We're all super pumped right now. Feeling pumped? Jazzed about basically everything going on. Feeling good about the whole arrangement. No problems for me. Uh, I mean, how could I feel bad in a world where Donald Trump was finally asked about QAnon and gave the single best answer he possibly could have because the question was amazingly put in the perfect way to make him find out what QAnon is and then immediately embrace it. It was like, it was like she was a CIA, like MKUltra operative offering a trigger phrase to him. Like, would you like to play cards? I gotta play it. I'll play the clip. It's to me, it really is. I mean, like, I don't want to pat myself on the old backaroonie, but uh, as soon as QAnon emerged after the election, I said, this is the future of the GOP. This is going to be the entire thing. This will eat the party. And that's what it's doing. Because it is, because if, if, if believing in party politics, if, if, if caring about who wins an election is this new realm of psychic warfare where people sublimate all of the horrors and anxieties and alienations of their life into a fantasy whereby someone in charge is going to fix it somehow, that they get to have some sort of investment in at the level of being able to participate by watching them and rooting for them on the TV and then voting for them, then it's going to have to become a richer and deeper and more psychotic fantasy to make up for the continuing degrading traditions of life, conditions of life in America. And so one of the big questions was about that, that progress, like turning, it in, turning us into a Q nation for the right was, what about, well, what's Trump going to say about this? Because people show up with the Q signs, and, but, you know, he's not, he's not on 4chan. He doesn't know what's going on. And so this person, this amazing reporter, asks her, asks him, totally expecting that the way she frames this question, it's going to lead to him denouncing QAnon because she leads by saying, hey, these guys are, uh, they think that there's psychotic pedophile cannibals out there running the world, and they think you're f stopping them. That's, what do you say? Thinking that he would hear that, and that he would think, oh no, that's irresponsible. That's not, that's not what this country's about. Like Jeb Bush would or something. Oh no, I have to, like, learning the Buckley lesson from the 50s. You gotta denounce the cranks. But only, all Trump heard was, uh, these people think that the people you hate are demonic cannibals and that you're beating them. My God, you've literally just imprinted onto his Play-Doh-like brain a comic strip that he can now have in there. So this is what he This is the question, and this was his response. This was actually she asked him first, and he's like, "All I know about him is that they like me a lot." And yeah, that is all he'd heard, and that's all he cares about. QAnon likes him, so why is he going to say anything bad about them? And then she tries to like push through and be like, "This is why you're supposed to not like them, even though they like you." Listen to this. She leads with, you are saving the world from pedophiles and cannibals. And she thinks he's going to hear pedophiles and cannibals and think that's not realistic. That, ha that has to be denounced. We can't allow that in our, in our public sphere. But he hears, you're saving the world from cannibals and pedophiles. Listen to this. Is that a bad thing? 
Hey, for the problems? I mean, we're saving the world. Radical left. Do they eat kids? I don't know. It's a crazy. It's a radical left philosophy. It wants to destroy the country and the world. He's already in his head. He's already created an architecture whereby the people against him, Joe Biden and the, the Antifa, Black Lives Matter terrorists, want to dismantle Western civilization. Of course he has to think that because they want him to not be president anymore. And in his brain, he is America, obviously. Uh, like he has made that cyclic transference. And then the Q people have made the similar cyclic transference and said, yes, he is America. So that's why they are all aligned on the same point. They're totally polarized along the same magnetic line, like the ley line. They're all, they're all iron filings pointing in the same direction. And that is that he is the personification of America. So if they want to beat him, then they want to destroy America and everything that that means. So of course, I mean, pedophiles and cannibals, why wouldn't, sure, why not? Why wouldn't they be cannibals? They're bad. They're terrible. They want to destroy America. Why wouldn't they want to eat babies? And what's so funny about this is that now, like, this is in Trump's head. Of course, he's going to forget about it in tomorrow. He's going to forget about it soon. But if he keeps hearing it, if he keeps getting exposed to Q, that the specific framing she gives it, he is going to turn that into part of his litany. Like... They're destroying the cities. What they did to Portland, what they did to Chicago, it's monstrous. It's worse than Iraq. It's worse than Afghanistan. And many people are saying that they're doing even worse things. They're doing things you wouldn't believe. Things with children, okay? In basements. A pig for restaurants. His brain is already just things he, he kind of vaguely believes that he's projected on other people that are all just like reifications of his ego. And like a, another piece of, uh, of, of narrative architecture to build on the idea that he is defeating excuse me that he is defeating evil sure and i mean i'm just imagining a, a future like where we actually do get that i don't think this is going to happen but it could happen we get the disputed election and somehow trump does actually engineer is able to finagle together some sort of coup i think that by the time that like resolved itself with the the constitution in in, in shreds and military government finally uh you know, enforced and Democrats in jail, that he will incorporate the Q story into his justification, which means that the Q people, through sheer belief, sheer will of, of faith, will have made their fantasy reality. They would have reified their collective delusion. They are the great alchemists of our age. They are doing the magnum opus. They are transforming the world through sheer will. They sat on computers and said, trust the plan for four years. And it has led now potentially to, if things break the white way, the president carrying out the coup that they've been dreaming for with the same justification. So when it happens, it doesn't matter that there was no actual child pedophilia or that none of the actual things they believed at any point were true. The broad strokes of the bad guys on the TV gone and even the reason for it will be what they claimed. And even if that doesn't happen, and I would say it's highly more likely that it won't, and, and uh, like Trump either wins the re-election and, and the norms maintain themselves, even if it's shady, or Biden wins and Trump leaves, so the, the Republican Party's queuification will continue because if you, are, if you cannot reconcile America as experienced and thought of, you have to create a fantasy, and that is what these people are going to continue to need to do. And so it's only going to get more Baroque I mean, it's going to have to get really Baroque to explain how Trump was president for four years and nothing changed. 
uh, but they'll do it. I, I mean, the, their commitment to the bit is is unprecedented, and they it's they are the blob. They have this. They're amorphous. They they shift. There is no center to it. It's pure, just imaginative fantasy. It's it's a pure realm of of of, of pleasure and play that doesn't interact and intersect with the human world in any way. But the world is still going on, and. If it bends towards their reality, which, I mean, put it a few more, few years down the line. We're a few farther down the line in climate and economic collapse. And finally, some force does sunder the last connective tissues to our formal democracy. It'll probably be the right, which means it'll probably be people who've been coming up on this stuff. This stuff that now is fringe will be their belief, the same way that the Goldwaterites took over the Republican Party. And Q will be official orthodoxy when they finally do have a coup. Whatever some crackpot fucking uh, Air Force general, some evangelical nutcase who went to Colorado Springs and got his brain filled with bleach, comes out and, and de de uh, de declares that the pedophile network has been extinguished. They will have made reality, not through any action. Like, all leftists are, are stuck here just trying to figure out one, some way to interfere with the, mech the horrible, bloody machinery of, of history right now and change the trajectory of our, of our civilization. And they just get to ride the avalanche to the manifestation of their deepest psychic dreams. And that's because they, fully, they have totally submitted themselves to the spectacle. They've submitted their minds to it. They have removed any interior barriers of intellect or thought or logic to, to pr provide friction for any, uh, any event that occurs, which means all events are assimilatable. That is the mindset that you're supposed to develop in capitalism. That is the full postmodern, fully uh, revel, uh, rel relative, relativistic, unmoored self that capitalism creates. And what hilariously conservatives always complain is being created by cultural Marxism. No, it's being created by capitalism. And Q will become the new like, expression of America's tradition of transformative materialist Christianity. And they will be wizards. They will be warlocks. They will be alchemists. And the left can't do that because you actually have to do something to change the trajectory. The Q people are just watching and riding and have, have, have accommodated themselves to anything that happens. So that means anything that happens can fit into their cosmology. And that means that they are shaping reality to themselves. Like, they have, they have shaped themselves to reality in such a way that they are now, in their minds, kings of creation. They are, they are kings of infinite space within the... Within the uh, inside the nutshell because they have surrendered any attempt to reconcile fantasy and reality they've dropped it's like two things it's like they're trying to plug the thing together or we all are and they just dropped the reality thing they just dropped the the square shaped reality uh plug and held on to the round tube of fantasy so they get to now be warlocks they get to be fantasy uh the kings of the realm uh Meanwhile, on the left, just everyone's just watching in horror and trying to tease out together some sort of belief system that could possibly push against it, uh, absent any ability to coordinate action, action between people in a meaningful way. Which is what you need to break the spell of history instead of just succumbing to it. And the funny thing is, is that there's going to be a lot more QAnon violence in the near future, very much so. Uh, 
Like, apparently there was a lady who just drove her car into a bunch of people she thought were pedophiles. I mean, it's going to activate a lot of latent mental illness in people, and it's going to be uh, function, it's going to, the vectors are going to be aligned around a political point of view. Uh, but that will not change the essential LARPing, pseudo-political nature of, uh, of QAnon, because even those acts, even if some QAnon guy tries to kill Nancy Pelosi, which I think will probably happen, or like drive a car full of explosives into, a, uh, into, a, uh, into the Netflix headquarters or whatever the hell they want to do, anybody, everyone who does that is going to be operating from the same fantasy logic and operating from the same heroic, fantastic self-perception of them that is unconnected to reality. Like, their unique, their specific violence is going to be just one more pointless piece of violence in a country awash in it. It's not going to be cumulative the way that political action is cumulative because it's coordinated. It will just be a bunch of, of individual school shooter types, basically, who have been specifically radicalized along a political axis because of the nature of the, of the, of the society we find ourselves in, where politics is... Is a is a center of of fantasy, a center of a spectacle of fantasy that that gets wrapped up in people's imagine imagine um, imagine conception of themselves, imagine conception of their own uh, autonomy, uh, and their their libidinal life, their 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 pleasures, their dream their dream lusts, their desires. And of course, that's part of politics everywhere. That's inevitable, but. The Q thing is the total sublimation of, the, of everything else but that. Or the total obliteration. Leaving only the remnant of just this... Uh, this fanta- this illusion of magical agency. And so that means that even if they go around shooting people, which I think they will, especially if Trump loses, it will still not add up to political action. It will still not add up to a fascist movement. But... If the army ends up overthrowing the government in 20 years, you know, when we're in some sort of, in, in the third year of like a fucking, uh, of, of, a, of a crisis of, around food production uh, and massive internal uh, population shifts due to, you know, natural disasters and uh, resource depri- dep- deprivation caused by global warming, they could very well do it under the flag of Q, which means that their fantasy was able to transubstantiate into reality. Because they lost any individuality into the spectacle itself. Am I right, guy? Hear that guy? I've never heard a I've never heard a bird like that. Are we sure it's not a rat? Oh, it's a cat? I've never heard a cat like that either. Fuck. Are they is it horny? Are they horny? It's a squirrel? Alright, now you guys are all giving me the business. You guys love giving me the business. It's farther away now, whatever it is. Hunter Biden's talking tonight at the DNC. I'm very excited. It's not going to be as fun as, it's, as you're imagining it because nothing can be anymore. If you're expecting anything, that's the thing. Like, if you're expecting, if you have a thing, in, if, if you're expecting your fantasy to and reality to have some sort of symmetry, you will be disappointed. 
That's why Q people are the masters of the moment and the human warlocks, because they have given up reality. So they can never be disappointed. Everything is always as good as it could be. They got to bring Hunter in because he's like, he's the one left. I think he's got a daughter, but I don't think she's just like, she's, she doesn't have a public profile. And, they, and, and they're going very much on his biography and specifically all the bad stuff that's happened in his life. They really are pitching Joe Biden as, come on, come on, look what, he's, all his family's dead, let him be president. And so to have one of the few remaining kids left who's alive to be like, yeah, my dad suffered a lot. I remember being in the hospital with him and all that. That's a huge part of what they think is going to appeal to some like mildly Trump-averse uh, suburban voter. And of course, it'll remind us more and more. It'll, it'll be there to remind us of that he is running for mourner-in-chief and that this entire thing is just a giant wake for our country and that the job of Joe Biden is to just help us down the path, not to, not to fight. Don't fight. It goes so much easier if you don't fight. Commander in grief, indeed. That's what was Somebody should give a fucking... Uh, somebody, don't give that to, the, to like Time Magazine. They'll make that the cover. Commander in grief. I haven't read Libra. Someone's just read Libra. I haven't read it in a long time. I need to reread it. I remember liking it, but uh, the thing that sticks with me are the portions that are in the voice of Maria Oswald, his mom. His, no, not a, Maria. His mom, not his wife. It's a very specific sort of person. And it actually goes a long way towards sort of explaining uh, Lee Harvey Oswald as a character because he's mostly opaque. So it's a good way to do it. Marguerite Oswald. That was his mom's name. Yeah, see, somebody says, I don't even think that you could say Q people are cucked anymore because if you don't have, if you don't have a, uh, loads, if you don't have a connection to reality, if you're not comparing your fantasy and the fantasy you're concocting in concert with everyone else to reality, if reality is always just providing the, the prompt for an improv session that always leads to the same point of victory, how can you ever be cucked? What, materially? Yeah, but if you don't feel it that way, if you don't feel your loss, okay, maybe these guys, their lives are bad and maybe they get worse. Well, would voting have changed it? Was voting going to change it for any of us? Who wi who's winning in the situation right now when we see this country collapsing and all of its functions failing and, and, and like the, the, the copper wiring and pipes getting stripped by our elite who's, who are planning to abandon us to our fate as, as like all civil institutions dissolve into nothing? And the electoral system is totally incapable of doing, put, putting any check on this process. Wouldn't you rather be a Q person who thinks it's all going to boarding the plan? If everyone's life is going to get worse, no matter what, materially, and there's nothing that will actually change that. If you're already on the, in the free flow of like an avalanche and you're, you know you're going to hit the little town at the end of the mountain, might as well think that there's a reason you're, on, you're there and that it's all going to be good, right? 
It's the same argument for faith, you know? It's the same argument for religious faith. Like, wouldn't life be better if you believed that there was a heaven? Wouldn't you be less stressed? Wouldn't you be less angst-riddled if you believed it? And it's like, yeah, from a, from a, uh, the problem is, in both of those things, is that from a, uh, from the angle of, uh, like, utilitarian, just, you know, uh, pleasure versus pain, hedonism, yeah, that would be the smart thing. That's the rational move, is to believe. But then, if you know, if you recognize it as a rational move, you can never really believe it. That's why you have to, in my opinion, the, the way to defeat that context is, is to break the idea that you're going to change anything. That things can change, that necessarily things are going to change. To break from, from an expectation that the political process can be intervened with on your behalf and find action that provides meaning in life, not rooting for a spectacle. And, uh, like, yeah, no, that's why I could never be a Q person, because it's total surrender. Uh, it's total surrender to uh, oblivion, because the thing about these people is, is that I have described the general trend of the movement, right? But among every individual person within Q, there will be a breaking point, as we're already seeing. The guy who, uh, who went on the fucking uh, Hoover Dam with a, with a sign saying, release the report because he thought that's what was going to get Trump to, to arrest all the pedos ahead of time. There was the woman who just drove into people. Like, people's conditions are going to get worse and worse, and the fantasy is going to become harder and harder to maintain, but it's not going to be universal. It's going to happen to outliers first. And then it's going to be like popcorn kernels, one after the other. But for a while there, and as an, an initial coping mechanism, it has a lot to recommend it, as does any kind of uh, regime of surrender. But eventually, the dopamine runs out one way or the other, and you have to reckon with the, the sterility of the world you live, the life you've created, and the horror, the mounting horror, the realization that oblivion is coming. Someone says, what if we could get squibs back, but only in movies directed by Ridley Scott? Uh, when was the last movie that he even made with a gun in it? Is it going to be like some guy doing, shooting a fucking stupid CGI alien with squibs? How are you going to even do that? Because he does CGI for all of his aliens. Ah, American Gangster. Another bad movie. Yeah, I don't see what I'm getting out of the deal. I'm getting one movie a year, maybe, that's got squibs. Big deal. Unless he's directing every movie. And that would be terrible, because then all the other qualities of film would get leached out of it. So, yeah, terrible deal. Someone said if you did a... Uh, if you did Ghostbusters, if we did a Chapo version of Ghostbusters, who would be who? I think I would be, I think I'm, am I Ray? I think I'm Ray. Will's Egon and then Felix's Peter. Does that make sense?
stop is the marshmallow man. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, I'm very interested in seeing Joe's speech tonight. I'm sure, I guarantee, there's no way it's live, right? Have they confirmed that or not? Because I got to assume that it is not fucking live. Uh, that's just, why would they take that risk? But anyway, if it isn't, it's going to be edited, and it'll be interesting to see how they hide the edits how they hide the number of times that they have to start over because he clearly is at a point where he cannot really get across ideas in any kind of coherent fashion it's very much it's like a nematode you don't know where it's going to go yeah they should the, the, uh, when I, I did this the other day but the same reference, but I think it'd be even more perfect here. When Henry, when, uh, when Hunter comes on, on stage, they shouldn't have him walk out or anything. They should start empty frame and then he just pops up and then just starts talking. Maybe play jump into the fire. Yeah, they're going to say it was great though. And that'll of course be very funny to see the, uh, the contrast there. I don't know how anything one thinks that this Zoom convention bullshit has any meaning. I mean, I know why you would not want to... You never want to give up uh, that much free real estate on television to, like, pitch to people. But I got to think that, like, the whole uh, event, convention week concept is another ca uh, permanent casualty of COVID. Because I would be surprised if Biden gains really anything out of this... Uh, out of this debate, bump out of this, especially since the Republican was just next week, they're not even really going to be able to get decent polling to indicate how much it mattered at all, and it'll end up not mattering at all. I mean, you can argue it never does, but at least it's wasting less money than usual, which makes you wonder, how the hell are they going to do the bribery they used to do? They used to be able to bribe uh, the shit out of the parties by paying, un 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 uh, unstintingly giving money to in, uh, to convention funds. And now what the hell are they going to do? But I really hope next week's Republican is blood and thunder and just pure, pure id. Because after this week, this fucking funeral. Oof. Gotta have something a little more zesty. I don't know if Kennedy is going to win. I have no idea. I've seen Mark... Mark um, I've seen... 
mark you up in some polls. I've seen others that were basically tied. No idea. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I would certainly be... If Kennedy wins, it's going to be very funny. It's going to, it's going to be proof that, that now that we've jettisoned the idea that politics can actually aid your life in any way, the idea that voting carries with it consequences in the world beyond how it, make you, it makes you feel about yourself. If we're giving, getting rid of that idea, which is what they're trying to do, and you've drained out, you've squeezed everything out, out of the electoral appeal of the Democrats, which Markey is trying to do. I mean, Markey's trying to re-inject stakes into politics. He, I mean, the reason apparently that Nancy Pelosi jumped in publicly to uh, endorse Kennedy this late, it's like the fucking, it's two weeks from election day. Uh, it's because of that ad where Markey goes, with all due respect, I think it's time you start asking what your country can do for you. Which, of course, that's a hell of a note to, to ring at this moment when everyone feels abandoned. Uh, but the problem is that raises expectations that Democrats, and it's not that they don't want to do them. I, th I think people don't get this. People think this is a choice. People think that they could be good, but they're not. At this point, they are considering the structural relationships within that define the Democratic Party and the incentive structures within that. They cannot do anything else. They cannot give anything. So they cannot create... Allow, that's why they hate Bernie more than anything. It's been Bernie raised expectations. They hate that. Uh, and Markey is saying, hey, how about Green New Deal? How about the country provide for you in a time of crisis? And that cannot be what uh, Democrats run on because that will alienate their supporters when that doesn't materialize, as it cannot and so if you wring that out, if you cut that out of the Danish, if you pull that out of the burrito of, of Democratic electoral appeal, you have two things left. And John, Joe Kennedy III embodies both of them. You've got two appeals, one to old people, one to young people. For the old, young people, your appeal is intersectional, I hear you, we're going to, uh, uh, there's no POC mentioned in uh, Green New Deal, uh, we're going to, we're going to, the black, uh, uh, Police brutality is whack, and, and we hear you. It's just, it's pure emotive connectivity, the way that Republicans have with Trump. Like, I, I suffer in this country due to racism, misogyny, uh, uh, xenophobia, and my, my feeling, my pain is felt, like Bill Clinton famously said. My pain is felt, and that's all it is. The original I feel your pain, the pitch is, I feel your pain, and so I'm going to do something about it. Now, it's just, I feel your pain. And that's better than someone in office who says, actually, your pain is funny to me, and I think it's uh, good that you're in pain. That's alienating. Having, having people in power saying, I understand that this sucks. It's, it's the same logic that has them being very nice to you when you call in the fucking cable because the goddamn internet's out. Your call is very important to us. We understand. We understand that this is frustrating. But that's all they can do is, is just string you along and wind you up along that emotional axis. And that's the pitch to Democrats, or to younger Democrats. To older Democrats, who don't care about any of that garbage, uh, the appeal is to nostalgia. And in this case, the Kennedy name. Because those older Democrats, they remember JFK. Literally. As in, they were alive when he was there. And if they don't, if they weren't alive, they remember the context of him. And they remember what he represented. The imprint he left on the culture when they were children that still existed. I mean, Ted Kennedy ran for president in 1980. Even after Chappaquiddick. And he won a ton of primaries against a sitting president and was given a 40-minute standing ovation at the Democratic National Convention. 
that name meant something until relatively recently. Not for fucking millennials and Zoomers. They don't know any of this shit. But for older people, it defined their relationship to politics. And so for the old people, you get... Oh. You get the idea of the Kennedys. They're going to come and fix everything. The Kennedys are going to come in and write what was wrong. They're going to bring back Camelot. JFK is like the occluded fucking body for these people. He was taken from us before he could complete the great work, and then he will return. And what do you know? Q people think that too. Only they think it's his son. Everyone wants to be redeemed in a fucking uh, in a in a. Everyone wants to be redeemed in an apocalyptic uh, confrontation with our political enemies, which is the only. That's the only psychology of politics that can fit the amount of emotional investment people who are political put into it considering compared to how much little control they have vote vote every two years that's it imagine that think about that think about how much you're supposed to as a liberal or as a conservative think about how much you're supposed to care about politics right it's your responsibility like liberals think this way leftists think this way too uh, I think any politically minded, ide- uh, like self-consciously ideological person thinks that way. Politics matters. That's, if it didn't matter, you wouldn't pay attention to it. And so it, can, it, it, it contributes to my life. And the thing is, that's a recognition of reality. And broadly stated, politics does. But then there's the specific reality of politics filtered through our, our culture. And we have this fake puppet show politics. But you still are supposed to care about it. Deeply, because this is the destiny of your life, the life of your family, your children, your children's children, America, all these abstract concepts and concrete ones that have deep emotional connections and power to you, including your own self-fucking interest, your own ability to thrive. These things are all wired into a notion of politics and of the political, the political battle reflecting on your life, as in the outcomes of political battles are going to be felt in your life. That's a lot of dramatic emotional resonance to have around a subject. And what are you supposed to do about it? If you're a Democrat or a Republican, not necessarily a leftist, although you got to argue between the, the sects on what, uh, what you should be doing, for Democrats and Republicans, really the only thing you've got to do is vote at least once every four years. Go into a room one day a year, Take a pen and press a thing and then leave. Maybe take an hour. If it takes, like, you gotta wait in line. And if it, even if you gotta wait nine hours, if you're in a, you know, in a, in a, in a black inner city precinct where they love to get rid of the, of the voting machines, uh, it's still one day. And then during the course of that day, the actual act is pressing a button or ticking a box. Maybe you do it every four years. Maybe if you're really into it, you do it on like primaries and stuff, but still you're only doing it maybe six times a year. Most, if you're a real sicko. How the hell are you supposed to fit that amount of emotional power, that, emotion, that amount of a dramatic psychic architecture of, of, of your destiny, like determining your destiny in that act? It's impossible. And so you have to... Put, invest more and more of yourself into the daily, essentially pointless grind of news. Because it's the only place to put all of this fucking energy, this orgone that you've accumulated around this question of politics and your fate related to politics and your, your, your fantasies of your best life and your fears of your worst, your, your desires and your hopes, all that stuff entwined on this political, uh, along this political axis that you have barely any control over. 
So you have to turn every day's meaningless Phillips of events into massively important things, which means that it's essentially you are waterboarding your own brain with the news. Of course, that's why people post. That's why they go on the Instagram and put all the stuff. That's why they yell with their uncles on the Thanksgiving table. It's because it gives them something to do that feels like it's meaningful. Even though it's not, it's nothing compared to this, and this is barely anything. You're so far removed from agency, even at the, even at the sharpest point, that it turns you into a neurotic mess. How could it do anything else? Which is why the Q solution is so seductive. You just give up resistance. You just absorb into the flow. You become the flow. But then eventually, you're also still a person. And there's going to come a point where those things can no longer be reconciled. You can put it off for a long time, but eventually the mental architecture, the, ment the mental gymnastics become too, ex uh, too exorbitant in the face of too much material stress. And then you snap. And you pop off like a little popcorn kernel. So yeah, uh, who care is the response. Someone said who care, hashtag who care. If you want to watch this stuff and, and enjoy it for its own, you know, uh, comedic possibilities and dark, ironic resonances, go for it. But do not, do not invest emotions into it because there's no point. Because you have no control over the process. It's all fantasy that you have any control at all. And of course, because it's a fantasy and because our because it's the central fantasy that legitimizes the system, it's harp, harp, hammered on all the time. Like, the Democrats tell you, we can do nothing for you. All you can, you, it's up to you. You have to vote for us. You have to vote for us. And of course, we can win, but that doesn't mean anything's going to change and anything's going to happen, because guess what? It'll, once we get in, there's not enough of us, because not enough of you voted. That's always going to be the answer. That's always going to be the answer. It's, it's, it's the way that uh, all con artists and cult leaders are able to maintain control of their sales pitch and uh, their congregations is when something doesn't happen, it's not because they were wrong, it's because the flock or the, or, or the town didn't pay them enough money uh, or, or pray hard enough. And so that's, how, that's what it is to you. Because like, oh, you can tell them and you can tell liberals all day, Obama got in 60 votes per uh, uh, filibuster-proof majority. How the hell does we get as little as we got out of that administration? They will say, "What are you supposed to do about Joe Lieberman and Max Baucus?" And it's like, "Well, they're Democrats. I mean, does this t this thing mean anything?" And they'll say, "Well, no. They live in states where you have to be conservative because of the electorate." It's like. But isn't this like a majority position? Yeah, but not enough of our people vote in those states because they're too busy being Pokemon or whatever. That will always be the answer, is that you did not, you didn't clap loud, uh, hard enough for Tinkerbell to come back to life. That will always be, and, and that's why nothing can ever change, because there can be no pressure exerted at that point. There can be no pressure. If you, if you withhold your vote and they lose, they blame you and they're out of power anyway. You withhold your vote and they win, they ignore you because you didn't vote. You give them your vote and they lose. They blame you anyway. You give them their vote and they win. Uh, they take it for granted. You have no leverage within it at any point because there's no 
coordination. It's just people operating off of their individual response to the fucking pachinko machine of stimuli called modern politics. Like the only way you beat it is by organizing people outside of a party structure to then apply pressure as a group, either on a party structure or if it's, if it's weak enough, to try to replace it. That's the only games in town. It has, and it starts with organized numbers. And since that's it, not what we have... We have a left flank of a democratic coalition, all of whom act independently of one another as individuals. And as such, there can be no point of leverage by them upon the party. They cannot mathematically do anything about it. Well, the DSA faces the same problem that all these organizations that spring out of the self-conscious cultural left have, which is that they are segregated among that college-educated chunk of the, of the under-40 generation. And while it is true that, like, even though only 27% of people, adults in America, have a four-year degree, it's more like half of millennials and younger, uh, because, or half of millennials, because, you know... Uh, those were the kids that the kids who got sent to college sent to college, you know? Uh, so it's a lot more. But that's still only half of a sub-cohort of the general population. You need, like, actual independent working class uh, 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 organizing to occur. And somebody was responding to the thing I was saying about the other day about um, about how... Like, there is this elite distinction when you're talking about the difference, you're talking about the, the online left and, and, like, the self-conscious organized left, like DSA or whatever, and you're talking about, like, the broader population of young people, many of the, and specifically the ones who didn't go to college and how there's no transmission between there. People said, well, that's, that's nihilistic. You're saying that, you know, you can't know anyone else outside of your class area. I'm saying, no, as an individual, you of course can of course people know people and have rich relationships with people across those kind of uh, cultural lines and know and they know how they interact with this stuff but what i'm saying is that you cannot there is no transmission at a level of culture between these two groups it's all individualized there's no actual transmission they're independent conversations or rather the the left college co conversation is happening by itself and even if people who are having that conversation also know people who don't have college degrees and talk to them about politics, and maybe they even organize them or something, or maybe they're even able to like change their mind about something. Maybe they got them to vote. Maybe they got their disinterested cousin to vote for Bernie in the primary. That's great, but it doesn't constitute an actual conveyor belt for like uh, ideological polarization and radicalization because it does has no mass character, which culture by definition has to have. I feel like King Kong swatting at biplanes with these mosquitoes. I 
I don't oppose forming a new party. I don't know what the hell... I mean, the thing is, there's no... I don't oppose anything because we're at such a base level that any, any actual suggestion of a thing, I mean, its validity will come down to whether it can... It, it has a plausible way of achieving significant uh, buy-in, significant public investment. I mean, how do you, if you, I, I definitely see the absolute need for a new party, given the current situation, but what about this new party in its conception would differ from all the other attempts to third party things that failed miserably? What would be, because you can't just do the same thing, because we know what the conditions of America do to third parties. If they have any kind of meaningful potency, they are, they are drained of it by uh, being uh, eventually consumed and uh, having their platform appropriated and, and watered down, but appropriated by one of the two parties, uh, or, they or they stick around as crank uh, spoilers who don't do anything, like the Greens. So yeah, I mean, I mean, if Biden gets in, I'll, I honestly think that 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 the that a new party, some sort of emergent party structure, is inevitable. Really, whether it's effective is the second question. But some movement for another party under like a Grover Cleveland style hunger chancellorship for fucking uh, for Biden under uh, the COVID depression, which is apparently what he's planning to do. They can lie all they want, but they're pretty clear that they're saying, oh, cupboard's bare. We care about deficits now. Once again, oh, turns out deficits matter when Republicans are out of power. We don't just, we don't just do what the Republicans do, which is understand that this is just a fiction that we use as a way to justify cuts to things we don't like. We actually believe it. Like I, I said on the show today, Democrats are, are especially all politi empowered ones, certainly, uh, they're cocooned in like this pervert prison of, of, uh, of uh, superego where they get off on, on repressing things. Like the, 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 the party is essentially self-selected for these sickos who get off psychically on that Jimmy Carter martyr thing. Jimmy Carter martyr thing. Jimmy Carter martyr thing. Where they hold on to principles that the other side won't and that that means that their other corruptions and their other pettiness and their other just grubby political uh, uh, shenanigans are justified because they're, they, that is the difference between them and Democrats. And of course, that's the, the level, that's the line they want to draw because it's a line that doesn't actually uh, impact their ability to maintain their position of power and influence within the party structure and then their ability to make a fuck ton of money once they're outside of it. Jimmy Carter Martyr Party. Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter's martyr.
Will I support the Jada Pond when it arrives? Uh, I won't be too... I'm sure I will not be happy when they put me up against the wall and shoot me. Maybe I will have reached a level of, of, uh, of, of enlightenment at that point where I can welcome death. Not there yet, certainly. But I certainly won't blame them, even if I'm terrified. But I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, no, the whole, the whole, mar the whole third worldist thing is, is surrendering agency in the face of impotence. It's like the, the, the joint proletariat of the third, of the oppressed nations of the third world is, is basically a cue. They're going to come and save us. And maybe not us personally, maybe we will be destroyed, but us as a, as a, as a species, they will redeem the species. If they put me on a running man type game show, then I'm really done for. I don't think I'd do very well. I mean, I think we know enough about like the dynamics of nationalism and, and national and tribal identity that, like, if 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 there's nothing to there's I don't have, see a lot of a lot to suggest that there's ever going to be a point where even as conditions get worse, people in the worst, most, in the most, uh, like exploited and ecologically devastated parts of the country are of, of the world are going to collectively decide that they're going to go fight America. They're probably going to fight the person across the hill because that's what we do in the absence of class consciousness. That's what we do. And even in class consciousness, that's a hell of a reach. Getting everybody to put down their local, you know, uh, uh, parochial beefs to go after America. No, everyone, it's, it, a lot of this stuff is people just not, are just wanting, having to cope with the awareness that there's very little they can do about anything, even though things seem so dire and, and so emergent. I mean, that is like one of those psychological asymmetries of, of, of modern life that really does have an unspoken psychic strain over time, is that for most of human history, you didn't really think, you didn't have to ever think for a minute about like the future of the species. You didn't even, you didn't have to think about uh, you know, the, this sort of existential question of like, of, of your children's children or something like that. I mean, you have, to, you're either struggling to survive in the here and now, which many people still are doing and who don't really worry about climate change because they've got things happening right in front of them to worry about. Uh, they've either been like fighting for sustenance or if they're outside of that and they have leisure time, they've been, they've been worrying about like the, their, their close kin networks, however they conceive of them. But now one of the, 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 the creation of like a global social order and a, and a global communications network allowing us to know things happening all over the world, we have the awareness almost that feels akin to omnificence or omniscience. We feel almost akin to like a god, an embodied human in our, in our ability to know what's happening all over the world if we want to. But we have zero, not just, not even a percentage, we have zero of the corresponding power of a god. How the hell are you supposed to occupy that psychic space without going insane? Trump might win. Someone says they're worried Trump will win. Trump might win. It all comes down to this. 
In any, if no, if 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 the normal electorate is like, there's three balls of electors, right? There's hardcore Republicans, there's hardcore Democrats, and then there's the third ball of people who kind of move around. They're not moderates. That's insane. They have an incre- an amazing array of views, mostly totally incoherent and contradictory. Some of them are essentially uh, communists and don't even know it. Uh, some of them are fa- a lot of them are fascists and don't know it. Some of them are fascists and they do know it. But one way or another, they're the the thing that is important to know about them is that they have not assimilated. Uh, the, the party as an identity, the way that Republican and Democrats have. And the thing about that is that once you've assimilated the party as an identity, then material conditions don't really impact your vote because you will find a way in your head to blame whoever you don't like for it. So that means that you have a thing like a president presiding over a fucking giant catastrophic pandemic outbreak where our country fared worse than every other country on earth, which very much suggests that there was a lot of stuff we could have done to do some have different results because they had different results. What the fuck is going on? I have not had a helicopter hanging around that fucking long in a long time. Freaking me out. Um, I'm getting I'm getting the jump in the fire in my head again. Uh, so there, so normally you think, oh, there's a viral pandemic that the, that the president made worse. And there's an economic recession that he's not managing. This guy better get out of here. But for Republicans, that never comes into the equation. Oh, it's the Chinese and the fake news media and the deep state or whatever. And if it was flipped over, if a Democrat was presiding over this scenario, you'd have the same group of people on the Democratic side making it not his fault. And it's always de- the votes are decided if those things are mostly even, which they've turned into. They've they've ground into each other and they're mostly even. They're basically the same. It's it, that that uh, electorate is basically older, what middle class people of all races, older older middle class people, Democrats, Republicans. Like as they get older, they they, they grab onto a party and it, it, it gives them solidity and like a, a, a place of understanding of the world. And for everybody else, they kind of bounce around. I don't know. And those are the people who, when something like a recession caused by a pandemic outbreak happened, see who's president and go, yeah, no, get rid of this guy. The people who, after 2008, said, yeah, no, get rid of Republicans. This is terrible. But what's been happening, when Obama really set into motion, I mean, it was always progressing, but it's been going much super accelerated under Obama, is the sort of falling away of people who aren't, operating under a party identity when they vote. People who don't filter all news through what party they belong to. And so therefore can see something like what's happening with the entire earth and go, Trump might not be good. And the question is, is like, has that group of people, has that third ball of voters worn away so much with some people going to pick a party because it gives them more psychological uh, stability to have a party to make sense of this world than to accept that neither party cares about them or like has a consistent approach to the problems of the world that can help them or realize, well, none of this matters and stop voting entirely. And if it just settles around those two groups of people and there aren't enough of the third ball and those two groups of people are distributed in such a way that uh, they can, that, Demo, that Republicans, that Trump can win Ohio, uh, Trump can win Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, 
that I can win. I mean, I would say that if I could bet on it, and I probably can somewhere, but I'm not going to bother. But this is free money. If you want free money, bet on even whatever the odds are. Don't matter. Bet on Biden winning the popular vote. He will win the popular vote by a significant margin. I think more than Hillary. Uh, but it will. Uh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> and it will be amazing having a president if we do get a president uh, elected and reelected without ever winning the popular vote. Uh, pretty wild. Wild stuff. Wild, weird stuff. No way of knowing. It really is a coin flip in those three states because everywhere else it doesn't really matter. And if Biden loses, then... Uh, if Biden loses... We get the recession and the and the and the depression and the COVID crisis and the the winter of discontent under a Republican. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't think that. Re I don't know if it matters who wins or loses. I don't. I don't. I don't know if which one happens is going to. Which I don't know if either one is going to have a different effect on the baseline response to the crisis which will be people getting you know pissed off obviously and alienated but they're not going to be operating in concert they're not going to be operating in any kind of organized setting that's going to be able to channel that in any meaningful uh, uh, any meaningful non-compliance with the state that could change the balance of power and maybe allow for some fucking humanity to seep into this thing so I don't know I don't know if either one's going to be better or worse. You can make an argument for either, but the thing is, you're just guessing. Like, the argument for Biden, and it's, it's a decent one, is that, like, uh, is that Trump, because he's so polarizing and because he is so uniquely uh, horrifying to liberals, it's basically impossible to have any kind of deeper argument about, you know, structural, political, and economic questions because of just the, def the deafening noise of him. And the way that he allows, and, and the way that he masks his, you know, because he's, he's he is as much a minion as the neoliberal order as any of these people. He serves the powers that be just as much as anybody else. Uh, and his policies, his broad policies, are to the benefit of our ruling elite. And that has not changed. But his personal style is such that no one who considers themselves culturally right can do anything but be in awe of him and fantasize that he is some sort of tribune of the people and no one in, among liberals anyway and a you know, big portion of the left can focus on anything other than his just ghastly awfulness uh, and that means that you can't talk about any kind of systemic anything because it all gets personalized in his his being and the hope is the hope would be that under Biden it would lay bare these contradictions because the the deafening the air horn of Trump would be turned off and people could hear things I have no idea I don't know. It's all about how people react to that. And that is something that has yet to be seen. All right. I'm going to take one more question, and then I'm done. Someone said, someone said, let me see if I can find it. God oh, damn it. Someone said, at the end of the day, do you still feel that the Americans are freedom-loving people? And to that I say yes. 
Yes, that'll be the last. I mean, even when we are all chained to one another in a human centipede of, uh, of like, soylent production and expulsion and, and nutrient uh, protein chains, we will still think we're free. And we'll love it, folks. We love it. We love the freedom, don't we, folks? We love it. We love to be free. I love it. Bye-bye.